Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio, Friends of the Earth's radio show on 3CR. We are coming to you live from the studio in Fitzroy and always, and as always, I would like to start by paying respects to the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people and the Boon people of the Kulin Nations have inhabited these lands since time immemorial. It was and always will be Aboriginal land. My name is Megan and today I'm flying solo in the studio, but that's okay. I know I've got you tuning in at home here with me on this Tuesday morning. This year at Friends of the Earth, we're celebrating 45 years of resistance. That's 45 years we've been mobilising communities, resisting the oppressive forces of patriarchy and capitalism and transforming our future to be one with diverse and expansive forests safe from logging and development. Today on the show, we are paying tribute to this deep history that's held in the hearts of the people who have contributed to Friends of the Earth over the years. Countless people have passed through our doors, all of them with stories to tell on fighting injustice and protecting the environment. So today will be the first show in our 45-year anniversary series. We're cracking open the archives to remember the Pescott Court case of the mid-1990s. We'll be speaking to Friends of the Earth stalwart Anthony Amos. And going back 25 years, Friends of the Earth took STYA forestation to the Administration Appeals Tribunal over breaches to its logging permit and to breaches to the Code of Forest Practice. Uh, and that, that was in McRae's Creek, domestic water supply catchment in the Yarra Ranges. Stay tuned to hear all about it after this community service announcement. On March 16, the Sintani region of Jayapura in West Papua was hit by massive flooding and landslides, killing at least 89 people, with more than 6,000 people evacuated from their home. 74 people are missing and 159 have been injured. This disaster is the result of torrential rain coupled with devastations of the mountains, also poor waste management, polluting and clogging waterways, leading to flash flooding and mudslides. At this time, West Papuan people need your help more than ever. Help us. Reach our goal to raise $10,000 to provide emergency supplies, food, first aid, nappies, 
baby food and milk formula. All money raised will go directly to Yayasan Abdi Budaya Nusantara, a foundation facilitating the evacuation camp in Sentani, West Papua. Donate online at https chaforgslash flood relief for West Papua. West Papuan people need you. It's time to help and don't make them feel alone. Welcome back. Now this year at Friends of the Earth, we are celebrating 45 years of resistance. We've many stories to tell after such a long time in the fight. And today we're going back to the mid-1990s when Friends of the Earth took former Victorians, uh, Victorian state Liberal MP Roger Pescott to uh, court over his company STY Afforestation for breaches to its logging permit and the Code of Forest Practice. On the line, we have long-term Friends of the Earth forest campaigner and familiar voice to our long-term Dirt Radio listeners, Anthony Amos. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Yeah, good day. How are you going? Uh, good, thanks. Um, and to start us off, uh, can you give us a bit of background? Where was STYA Forestation operating and when and how did Friends of the Earth get involved? Well, STY were a small, small logging company. Um, they were uh, owned by um, by the Pascot family, so they were operating in a place near Mount Beenac. So, if people who don't know where Mount Beenac is, it's about fifteen kilometres um, uh, southeast of, of Yarra Junction, so up, up in the Yarra Ranges. So, what actually happened was in the early nineties. We were uh, Friends of the Earth was uh, were doing a lot of work on water campaigning, and through that, um, an old time activist, Carrie Giles, managed to um, employ a woman called Loris Duclos, and Loris lived up in the Dandenongs, and she was a water campaigner. She'd been worried that um, about the quality of drinking water in her little area uh, up near up near Cockatoo. I think one of her sons was actually um, ill with a waterborne illness as well. Anyway, so she got employed by Friends of the Earth. Uh, this was about uh, 93, 94. And um, there was mud coming through the taps in um, some of the... Um, uh, in the drinking water up in the Dandenong. So she, what she did, she went out there and um, tried to figure out, well, why the hell was the water quality so bad? And she did a little bit of research, and she worked out uh, where the water supply for the uh, for, for, for the seven little towns in the Dandenongs was coming from. It was a little creek uh, called McRae Creek. And then she did a bit of investigating, and um, she found that there was a big logging operation right in the headwaters, uh, just above where the water offtake is um, on McRae Creek. And so um, she was very alarmed about that, and so... Um, I remember she stormed into the office one day. I hadn't actually met her. And she was flying around in a bit of a frenzy because of what she'd found out. And then um, I got talking to her and we drove up that night. <laughs> and we went up and I remember getting up to the site around 4 o'clock in the afternoon and um, 
seeing this this whopping great logging operation, and uh, and the roads were absolutely uh, atrocious. And uh, anyway, so then we had to figure out a plan. What the hell do we do now? But, I mean, at that stage, we didn't know who owned the company. We did we we didn't really know much about it at all. And then we had to go into intensive uh, research, and um, soon found that it was a company that was Steyr Forestation. So we went to the Australian Securities Commission and did some title searches and some, some company searches and found that it was associated with with the Pescott family. It wasn't actually owned, owned by Roger, but but uh, people in his family. And so at, at that time, um, Mr Pescott was, I think he was the Deputy Premier. So it was quite, you know, it was quite... Uh, Quite interesting to actually stumble upon, you know, the, these issues um, and and personalities. So, what happened then is we um, we had to document the breaches. So that meant we had to go up onto this site probably probably about a dozen times over a, over a fifteen month period. And what so what we, kind of breaches did you did you find? Well, essentially. Uh, through Loris's work, we found that uh, they had a, a permit to log by the local council, the Arrow Rangers Council at, at the time. And in those conditions, there were, there were stipulations that you know all the roadworks had to be um, done uh, in, a, in accordance to the Code of Forest Practice, which is sort of a at the time uh, the legal document which was. Uh, which which allowed logging on private land. So there was eight permits, and uh, sorry, there was eight conditions to the permits, including logging roads. All the culverts under the roads had to be had to be uh, you know, up, up to scratch. There had to be buffers on the creeks, uh, and, and by buffers I mean they weren't allowed to operate within certain. I think it was about thirty metres of creek lines. Any logging on the site had to be done in accordance to the permits. So what we did is we went through the permit point by point, and then we had to go onto the site and um, work out uh, whether, in fact, they'd breached the permit. So that meant we had to go up there in all sorts of weather, and um, you know, with uh, with big measuring tapes and measure the buffers, and we had to check out the pipe drainage, um, all the drainage under the roads. So we found multiple breaches, and we got in contact with the Environment Defenders Office. Which is now called Environment Justice Australia. <coughs> They're a legal te- a team that um, was assisting environmental groups, and the guy there was a guy called Chris Loram. So we got in touch with him as a solicitor, and he said, "Look, I think you've got a case." He had contacts, so we 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 got in touch with one of his uh, contacts, the QC. The QC then said, "Look, you're going to need to get expert witnesses if we're going to take this to court." So we found a forester, which is very, very hard to do because they're a very conservative uh, industry. So um, a forester called uh, by the name of Bill Incoll, he was our expert witness. And we also found a hydrologist. Um, and we took the case to the administ- Administrative Appeals Tribunal and they heard the case. And I think the verdict came in about 96 and, uh, yeah, found that there were breaches to the code of practice. And that, that was the first instance of an environmental, um, uh, 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 you know, the legal system in Victoria actually uh, finding a logging company guilty of anything. That was in 96. So we were the first to do that. And I mean, and for us to do that, we had to take it to VCAT. If we would have lost that, uh, we would have uh, been up for 
fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars because if you lose a case that you bring uh, into the legal system, you have to pay. Well, very often you have to pay costs, which meant we would have had to pay their solicitor and their costs, blah blah blah. So there was, it was a big risk for a small group to take on. So. So Fofo did that, and we, we won the case. Yeah, we came out on top. Well, we came out on top, and then, then it got really complex because uh, one of the orders that the Administrative Appeals Tribunal brought down was the fact they wanted a certified forester to go up and oversee all the works to fix up the site. And so um, that, that was the order. So in about three months after we got our verdict, we, we got a report back from the certified forester saying that oh, all the works up there, they, they cleaned up the site, they cleaned up the roads, all the creek crossings were fine. Uh, it was a, you know, they, they, they'd done a good clean-up job. So the certified forester, I won't mention his name, but he used to be the head of the forest department in Victoria. Um, so he, he ran that organisation for the state government for many years. Anyway, we, we were a bit sussed, so we thought, OK. So we went up and had a look at, you know, what this guy had signed off on as these, these great remedial works. And uh, lo and behold, they hadn't done anything. Mm. So, you had the, so you had the head of the, of the, of the forest, uh, the ex-head of the, of the forest department in Victoria, signing off on a legal document uh, that basically said that um, works were, were done, but... Nothing had been done at all. So then we had to take it back through the AAT, saying that they hadn't complied with their orders and et cetera, et cetera. So after another two years of legal stoushing, we got the we actually got the the company to remediate what what they'd done. But all in all, I mean, it t- took us up to I think it was four to five years of um, of campaigning to get you know a legal result. So. It just shows you the... Or a legal um, result that um, actually got the real-world outcome that you were looking for. Yeah, but it just shows you, I mean, the uh, the system the you know, that we're under, the legal system, it, 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 it doesn't respond. It's, it's totally out of touch with, with environmental, um, environmental concerns. Um, you know, you've got almost these structures in place to make it, nigh on impossible for community groups and individuals to have any chance of getting um, any sort of win through the legal system. Um, I mean, I've, I've been in touch with a couple of residents up near, uh, near Broadford. They, they, they had a VCAT case that went um, that, uh, last year where they were complaining about you know, that their dam had been completely filled up with sediment from a, a pine plantation operation that had gone wrong upstream. They took it to VCAT and lost the case, and, and their costs, they've had to pay over $400,000. That's so, a lot so, of money for a community group. Yeah, well, they weren't even a community group, they were individuals. Just individuals. So, you know, um, so, so the system's structured in a way that the the average Joe Blow and the small community groups who have to fundraise and go through all that, the, uh, the system's built so that you don't have really much access into in, into this system at all, and and if you do want to want, want, want to take the system on, it comes a great personal cost and and, and you know and, and great risk. risk. Yeah. So the fact we actually got one up, and particularly this guy was deputy premier, um, was quite remarkable actually. 
Mm. And so still to this day, it's the only successful lawsuit against a logging company. Like, did it did it set a precedent? Have have logging companies improved their practice generally? Well, there's two issues with logging companies. There's there's the state forest issues, uh, and then there's private land logging. So what we were looking at was private land logging. So what happened after our case is I was thought, okay, well, look, if there's if, if we've got this one up, maybe there's other operations around Victoria that are potentially could go down a similar path. <laughs> so um, I ended up uh, going down to the Streslakis, which is the southeast of Melbourne, just sort of south of Morwell down there on Gunnike country. And um, I, we, 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 we had a team, I remember going out in 96, and you know, and we went out and, and this was the biggest private land uh, holder in logging terms in the state. So it was uh, Amcor, which was the Australian paper man- manufacturers. So they own basically the north side of the Streslucky Ranges. So we went on site to, to a couple of, uh, of their sites and we were just blown out. It was it was a hundred times worse than what we'd done up in the Yarra Ranges. Absolute, you know, you know, 50 to 60 degree slopes, everything clear fell down to the river, trees and muck and mud, everything in the, in, in, in the watercourses. And we said, well, God, this is, um, if we went in up at, um, up, up at the, uh, up at, in the Yarra Ranges, then this, this issue down here is 10 times worse. But, uh, lo and behold, we found that, um, that, uh, the code of practice, which is the, the legal document, which basically logging companies have to apply, that had been watered down since our case. And the, they'd made the legal, the um, the wording of the code of forest practice on private land basically legally unenforceable by making it as vague as possible. So even though we got a win on a small bit of uh, private land, those little uh, windows that were open to us to pursue further action were shut uh, by the state government and also by by the biggest pulp and paper company in the um in in the country which which was amcor at the time <clears throat> mm, so we've had to take different routes to protect our forests um uh, seeing yeah. that those legal loopholes have been or not loopholes but loopholes have been created perhaps rather than closed um they've closed the legitimate process to take the um yeah. companies yeah, to well, court that, that's that's right, and so uh, I got involved with a group down in the Streslakis Friends of Gippsland Bush. So they ended up on a on a path where they were actually they realised that they couldn't uh, bang their head against the wall and and try to defeat the, the, these the, these the, these companies um, because all the all the cards have been stacked against them legally. So they ended up trying to get into some form of negotiation to try and get outcomes. Uh, via, um, you know, a negotiation. In, in about '99, they actually uh, did a eight-point agreement with with APM, which included um, trying to look after the, um, you know, the waterways that were so being so heavily heavily denuded. And then after that, we we uh, they were the first company that ended up being certified by the Forest Stewardship Council. And that was a controversial move because uh, FSC is supposed to give a green, a, you know, a green tick to operations. But why we embarked on that path was that we found that with FSC, at least we could have some leverage 
um, on the on the company um, in a way that um, if they weren't certified, uh, we wouldn't have. So since that time, there's been marginal improvement. So we, we're a little bit better than we were, but you know, on a scale of a, a hundred, where we were at, you know, ten, we're probably at about fifteen. But you know, there's been a marginal improvement, I guess, in the in 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 the practices down there. Mm. And just to finish up on a lighter note, you'd been working in the Streslecki, trying to protect the Streslecki ranges from 1996, you said. Um, and it was back, was it 2016 that there was a promise to protect um, large parts of that, that forest? Uh, it was in 2006. So we managed to get the state government, you know, to the table, uh, I think John Thwaites was minister. This was under the Steve Brax government. So in 2006, there was a memorandum of understanding with the state government and the owners of the land, Hancock, who were this American insurance firm that had bought in. That original deal was undermined in 2008 by Gavin Jennings, um, who was the you know, was the environment minister under Brumby. Um, and then it took another uh, t- 10 years before the first handback of land was actually granted uh, last July so, uh, in the newly formed Bratungalung, um Forest Reserve. Uh, so we, we got about 2,500 hectares of some pretty amazing old-growth forest and rainforest. And then there's going to be a staggered handback of land uh, and we'll end up getting about 8,000 hectares of land back by 2027. Fantastic. So it's been a, lo- a long, uh, strenuous uh, you know, fight to get any sort of environmental outcome down there, but we're, we're slowly getting there. But, you know, it, it takes its toll. It's not, <laughs> it's not an easy path, this environmental path, or any stretch of the imagination. Oh, certainly not. It's not easy work, but what you've done down there and um, with the people at Friends of the Earth and everywhere else that you've been working with is absolutely invaluable um, to see that forest protected. Uh, And on that note, we might wrap it up there, Amos. Thank you very much for joining us today. No worries, Megan. Thanks for the interest. All right. We'll catch you later. See ya. The 3CR Radiothon is fast approaching. And this year, we're asking you to power Radical Radio. That's right. It's with your support that we're able to be independent, community-controlled and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible. 3CR Radiothon 2019. June the 3rd to the 16th. Power Radical Radio. You're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR and today we've been recapping some of our 45-year history at Friends of the Earth. We've just heard from long-time forest campaigner Anthony Amos about a court case in 1996 when we took Stye Aforestation to the Administration Appeals Tribunal over breaching their logging permit and the Code of Forest Practice. It was and still is the only successful lawsuit 
um, overlogging in Australia's history. And uh, Amos has been working long and hard to protect um, great swathes of old growth forest across Victoria since then. If you missed the interview or any of our shows, you can always catch up on the podcast, which is available at 3cr.org.au slash dirtradio. And coming up is the uh, Radiothon here at 3CR uh, from June 3rd to 16th. We need to power Radical Radio and help keep our independent voices on air. And tonight at Friends of the Earth, we're having a federal election debrief and discussion potluck dinner. The re-election of the coalition has come as a surprise to anyone that trusted the polls. This government, stacked with climate deniers, is bad news for our climate and our natural landscapes. But the fight for climate justice will continue. So join us tonight at Friends of the Earth to talk about the highs and the lows and uh, enjoy a dinner with the community who shares what you're going through right now. And uh, coming up later in the month, who are the climate blockers? A Melbourne walking tour. The countdown to climate action has begun. The Victorian government has until March 31 next year to set the state's first short and mid-term emissions reductions targets. But corporate forces will be hard at work creating loopholes in a leading climate policy. Join us for a walking tour of Melbourne to find out who is blocking climate action in Victoria. That's coming up on Friday, May 31 at um, 12pm to 1.30 in Melbourne and check out Facebook for more info. That brings us just about to the end of the show for today. Coming up next uh, is the Koori Survival Show and taking us there will be Kev Carmody with Moonstruck. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Dirt Radio. And remember, there's no environmental justice without social justice. Mm-hmm.